Hello, everybody. Josh Neighbors here, Locked On Nationals podcast. Joining us today is Matt Weirich of NBC Sports Washington. Uh, Matt, how are you? Are you have you recovered from yesterday? I know you were at the ballpark. Have you recovered from? I think a so. Crazy uh, got a good night's sleep last night, which was good, but it was a long day, uh, filled with a lot of emotion uh, from the national side, from the player side, from fan side. So. Uh, I would imagine a lot of people are pretty emotionally drained coming into today. And let's not forget the media too. I and mean, you guys all, you all have been tracking the story for months. You know what I mean? A lot of y'all come covering the team for years, but like tracking the story for months, I mean, it's pretty exhausting and it finally hits its conclusion. The dust kind of settles and it's, you know, it's like, all right, you know, everybody, everybody kind of has to pick themselves back up in a way. Oh yeah. I mean, it's, this was a long time coming. I think, uh, you know, from when we kind of found out that he was on the block in early June to now, it, things happened quickly in, in terms of a trade coming together. But certainly it was, took a lot of work to get to this point from everybody involved. So definitely glad to be on the other side of it now and to, to now kind of see what this new look team uh, is going to do for these last two months. Uh, so what was the vibe like at the ballpark yesterday? You were there at the ballpark. Obviously, we heard from Mike Rizzo, uh, Dave Martinez, you know, addressed the media after the game as he does. Um, what was the, you know, what was kind of the vibe that you were just getting? It was like kind of that post-trade deadline haze because the Nationals didn't move as many guys as actually we thought they were going to move. What was kind of that that vibe like at the park? Yeah, you know, I think that it was kind of a little bit of shock from, from the, in the clubhouse and players, things like that. Uh, when we arrived in the clubhouse at three o'clock, the trade had already been agreed upon uh, in principle. That was before we knew that Luke Voigt was going to be in there, but right. uh, it had been pretty much decided that Soto and Bell had been traded. So they had already come and gone from Nationals Park at that point. And, you know, the, the players, uh, a lot of them were just talking about, you know, it's a business, but at the same time, like I knew these guys, um, you know, notably Alcides Escobar, Eric Fetty, Sean Doolittle all kind of talked about how, you know, they had relationships with these players and it certainly hurts to to have to lose a teammate like that. So um, it was it was emotional, no doubt. I mean, but Davey choked up uh, in the press conference at multiple points. Um, Mike Rizzo, you know, talked about how it was tear filled goodbye for him, uh, tear filled goodbye for Soto. Uh, the player that they've had since he was 16 years old. It's it's never easy to say goodbye to, to somebody that you've grown so close with over the years and, and done so much with. Uh, you know, Rizzo was wearing his World Series ring and a World Series shirt, uh, as he did uh, last year at the press conference when he announced the Max Scherzer and Trey Turner trade. Uh, this is this is kind of his uh, MO is, is that, you know, I'm doing this to remind myself of what we're doing here and, and how we're going to get back. So he was, uh, I would use the word defiant, uh, in a lot yeah. of ways as well. So I think it's really interesting. He brought that up because I saw that and you know, this is not smooth that, it, that we've seen before. It actually reminds me of, of college football move. Bobby Petrino wore, I think it was like his cotton bowl hat after he had the motorcycle incident, uh, infamous motorcycle incident there. Um, you know, I think there is some frustration. I'm not going to say necessarily about the trade. I actually think it's a good I think It's a fair package. It's a good trade, all that kind of stuff. Um, I think there is rightfully fan frustration about how did we get here, right? Watching Bryce Harper walk away is a different calculated move when you trade Juan Soto away. Those are two really different things that are happening there 
obviously both result in generational talents leaving the Nationals. Um, what is your sense of that appraisal of the situation? Because he can wear the World Series ring and the shirt, and that is true. But everything that's transpired since winning the World Series, I mean, really, none of that's really gone that well. Sure, Kyle Schwarber was pretty good. But they ended up having to trade him, right? Josh Bell has been really good. They ended up having to trade him. So it's not like they're they're getting good players, but they're not getting enough good players is kind of the problem. And so really, they aren't pulling the right strings. To me, I understand the defiant move, the shirt and the ring, but it, it that feels really distant. And I think there is a disconnect to be fair now between those two things happening it doesn't feel like they're retooling anymore it's obviously a rebuild so your kind of thought on on that symbolism i guess yeah no i mean i definitely agree with you there's there's a bit of a disconnect there in that you know fans are frustrated with rizzo and rizzo is kind of frustrated with being frustrated with i think that you know he feels he has earned a couple of years to turn this franchise around uh, you know, he did it, as he said many times, from 2009 to 2012 when he took over, uh, you know, a three-year process of turning a 100-loss team into a sustained contender. Uh, and he says he can do it again. And it seems that he doesn't have the faith of a lot of fans, at least very outspoken fans uh, on social media and, you know, others that I've talked to offline, things like that. Uh, you know, the sense is that Fans are frustrated that they ended up here in the first place, but it is kind of true that it's hard to avoid getting to this point. You know, as Ryan Zimmerman put it uh, in his press conference uh, ahead of uh, his Jersey retirement ceremony, everybody does it unless you're the Dodgers. You know, it, 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 it's not the norm to, you know, be able to contend for 15, 20 years. Right. Never really have to go through a downturn. Even the Yankees had to sell uh, at a trade deadline a couple of years ago back in 2016. So, you know, this is something that, you know, fans obviously are not going to love seeing if the team going through these years uh, of, of struggle here. Uh, but it's something that Rizzo is touted as part of the plan and part of the championship path. Uh, that this organization needs to take to get back to that contender status. Uh, I, I think that there are, though, a lot of fans who wish that trading Juan Soto didn't have to be part of it. Yeah, and, and to be fair to Mike Rizzo, I mean, he went on you know Junkies Radio this morning doing his, his radio head, and he said, look, the negotiations were pretty much one way. It was the Nationals making offers, the Nationals being swatted away, and um, it it kind of circles back to what we talked about. Like, Scott Boris is determined to take Juan Soto to free agency at this point. I know it's far away and that could change, but that's the sense I'm getting. Do you agree with that, Matt? I mean, that's, that's, it's obviously his calling card, but like they're going to see really how much they can get. And I'm not sure anybody's getting a hometown discount. At all. No, I mean, if the nationals really wanted to extend Juan Soto, you know, I, I think that they needed to pay market rate and market rate for a player of Soto's caliber when taking into account that he's going to make around 50, 60 million the next two years in arbitration it was a lot higher than what they offered. 440 million over 15 years. It just didn't match up in that AAV. And Soto, while he might not be able to hit Max Scherzer's average annual value of 43.3 million, which is the record, uh, he'll certainly set a total guarantee record with his next contract, which this this offer did, but also be at a much higher AAV than the 29.3 the Nationals were trying to get him to agree to. So, you know, the, they weren't getting home down discount. There was the ownership issue as well. Soto didn't know what team he was really going to be signing with. So it really, an extension this year was, was never going to happen. It just did not 
the timelines for the two two parties, the Nationals and Juan Soto, just really didn't align to a point where a marriage for long term really seemed like it was going to happen. Quick word from our sponsors on today's show. Today's Locked On Nationals podcast is brought to you by our friends at Blue Nile and BlueNile.com. And they've got some great deals for you all going on right now. Uh, make your moments sparkle with jewelry from BlueNile.com. And going on right now, it's the Blue Nile anniversary sale. Save up to 40% on classic fine jewelry pieces and 25% on engagement ring settings. Plus, every order is insured, it's safe, it ships free, and arrives in a discreet package that won't give away what is inside, which is very, very important. You all can shop stress-free and find your forever peace. Go to BlueNile.com today. That's BlueNile.com today to find that forever peace for your special someone. Yeah, and, and and the one thing I've been saying too is like going back to the team part, it didn't make much sense for a, a long-term marriage. I mean, think about the Nationals. Like their their team is so they're so needy. They need so much. I mean, they need help in the outfield at third at short at second at first catcher is kind of the only position where they got, you know, one guy and, and they've got one guy there really, to be honest at this point in time uh, and K Ruiz. I mean, they need starting pitching help. They need everything. And um, Juan Soto, you know, you would have been paying him a lot of money for what, right? T- to what end would you be paying him? Because, even with Josh Bell, even with Juan Soto, those two guys performing somewhat well, I mean, jo- and Josh Bell really performing well, team wasn't very good at all. And, uh, you know, no guarantee Josh Bell would have been around. Like, th- they had a lot of needs to address. And this trade, I mean, you, you kind of touch them all, right? You get an infielder, a couple outfielders, starting pitcher too. I mean, you know, this, this was, they, they have so many needs to where it really just didn't match up. It, it didn't make sense, especially with him swatting away offers for them to hang on to him any longer than they had. It was time to maximize value. So I'm firmly in the camp of you should do everything you can to lock up a player of Soto's caliber. Right. I think that there is always a way to build around a Hall of Famer. Mm-hmm. You can all there, you know, it might take a little longer to do it uh, because you aren't addressing so many needs at once and you need drafts and international signing periods and trades in order to accumulate that talent. But for a player of Soto's caliber, for him to be so young, to have such an endearing impact on the fan base, the community, just an all-around great person, great player, it's the kind of player you want to have in your mm-hmm. organization for their entire career. Now, on the flip side, the Nationals, as you said, had a lot of holes that they needed to address. And if you are going to trade Soto, I think now is the time to do it. And you know, then if any team was going to trade a player like Soto, it was the Nationals because their farm system is so depleted and they don't have much talent, double A or higher. And that's what was the one thing that kind of stood out to me in this whole deal. If we want to start breaking down yeah. the players they yeah. got and everything, Abrams and Gore were the only two players above high A that they acquired. I mean, Luke Voigt, obviously, but mm-hmm. I, I don't think he really factors in here from a, <laughs> you know, retool standpoint. Right. Uh, you know, Abrams and Gore were the only two players that were above high A. And so the Nationals double A and triple A teams, which really have been the most depleted on their farm system this year, are still depleted as of today. And so while Mike Rizzo says that this accelerates their timeline here, 
I'm not 100% convinced just because they didn't really get the players to accelerate their timeline. You know, if, if they were a little bit more advanced, then you can make the case of, okay, you know, then maybe they get three or four guys that they didn't have before in the majors in the next year or so, and you sign guys in free agency, and all of a sudden in two years, you could, you know, squint and see a contending team. As of right now, they're going to need guys like Robert Hassel uh, and James Wood to advance much more quickly maybe than we would usually expect. And I don't know if that's a realistic expectation and maybe not even one that actuals actually have. Yeah. I don't think it's one that they're going to have. I mean, I think this is, this, this thing's going to take some time. You think about, I mean, think about Carter Keeboom, like that's the guy they were hopefully banking on is on the sidelines right now. And look, there's questions about how, you know, how, how fast will we Garcia come along? Obviously, you know, look great last night. Right. I mean, had a really nice night last night and, and we could see that in 2020. That was, you know, there was definitely something there with Luis and they had, they had something cooking there. And then obviously K. Bear Ruiz has shown a lot of promise, but yeah, you're, you're right about, you know um, I mean, they're pitching. It's going to be really rough for a while. Right. That they're, and they're going to, that's the one part too. They're going to have to hit on a lot of those guys. Like they have to have Gore be good. You need to decide to, you know, he's on the right. We think he's on the right track. Obviously he's had some rough outings recently. Um, they're going to have to hit on a lot of these guys, but I, I don't think this accelerated any kind of rebuild. Obviously, it's a step. It is a step back um, for sure. Uh, well, I mean, the, the guys that are in A, I heard a lot about Wood. I heard a lot of people really liked him. They, they, there seems to be some momentum behind him as potentially. I, I know Hassel's the, the top, top prospect that you're getting because he's the only guy, um, you know, obviously Abrams and Gore have classed out of being called prospects, although they're still relatively young in their major league experience. Um, who, who is the guy you kind of you're most excited to see? For me, it's Wood because I've just heard a bunch about him already. Uh, you know, I think that there's a lot of reason to get excited excited about several of these players. I mean, Abrams and Gore were consensus top 100 prospects going into their rookie seasons. Uh, Robert Hassel III is, is a tooled up guy, someone who the Nationals think can stick in center field, uh, which is something that they don't have at the top of their farm system right now. So that's exciting. Um, you know, he really Gore, Abrams and Hassel, three of the Padres last five first round picks, 2017, 20 and 21 uh, were the three first round picks. Uh, so that's, you know, a high caliber talent. I mean, the Nationals really got like two drafts worth of talent in this in this trade just alone, which is just kind of crazy to think about, maybe even three. Uh, just from, you know, the Nationals track record of churning out prospects yeah. per draft. I mean, you know, this is this is revolutionary for their farm system. Um, Wood is, is like six foot seven, uh, you know, amazing speed. Uh, he he kind of reminds me of, of Elijah Green's skill set. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, that's something to I don't know if he'll necessarily stick in center. He might end up being more of a corner outfielder. He's even bigger than Green, which is funny because I was talking to Green next to Juan Soto and like he was making Soto look small. So I can't imagine right. what green is going to be, what wood is going to do. Once like, he yeah. arrives. Um, but the, the player, I think that Mike Rizzo seemed most excited about uh, was Darlin Cicera, the right-handed pitcher who is still only 18 years old out of the Dominican Republic. He was the player that the nationals got for including bell. Uh, that was a big wrinkle. There was uh, he was not going to be included unless bell was going back the other way. Uh, he said that he actually could have the highest ceiling out of any of these players which is easy to say for an 18 year old, but right. he's already throwing 102 miles an hour. Uh, so that is pretty impressive uh, for a player that young, who still has some growing, uh, some strength building to do. It's going to be interesting to see what he turns out uh, to do 
once he starts advancing through the minor leagues. But he's still in rookie ball right now, so he's got a long ways to go. One more word from our sponsors on today's Locked On Nationals podcast. Today's show is brought to you by our friends from BetOnline and BetOnline.net. It's the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite betting needs, find all your favorite sports, events, from the number one online source for odds, lines, and games. Find reviews and news of every league, including Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, esports, and even golf. It continues to be the top online resource for all your sports wagering information from live in-game betting, scores, and podcasts that have you covered. Head to Bet Online today or use your mobile device to learn more about the action happening. Bet Online, it's where the game starts. Um, were you surprised that we didn't see movement from Finnegan? We did not see Carl Edwards Jr. We did not see uh, Steve Ciszek. We didn't see Nelson Cruz. We didn't see Cesar Hernandez. I mean, I was surprised. I think maybe with some of the guys who have control left, so Finnegan and Edwards. I mean, still in pretty high now, but were they just not getting the offers they thought they were? I mean, it seemed like people wanted left-handed left-handed relief pitching, which they always do. But uh, what was what was kind of the justification for that uh, lack of movement on those guys? Well, we didn't. We heard from Rizzo at four o'clock with the deadline at six, and then right. we didn't meet with the media again after. So. We didn't hear from him as to why they didn't make a move. He said he was still going back in to try and make more. So there were still, you know, maybe potential deals on the table. Uh, I was surprised to see none of those guys moved. You know, the, the Nationals have a really depleted bullpen this year in terms of just been, they've been having to work a lot. Uh, and I was almost thought they would trade one of those guys just to get a fresh body into their bullpen. Uh, because, you know, a lot of these guys have been used the last few days and, and that seemed like something they might do. But ultimately, you know, all of these guys are still there. The, the three bullpen arms you mentioned, Cesar Hernandez, Nelson Cruz, uh, which, you know, the fact that Nelson Cruz wasn't didn't find a new home. I think the Nationals uh, certainly weren't expecting to have him on their roster come yeah. second. So uh, that is, is going to be, you know, the main attraction from a lineup standpoint um, in terms of pe- pedigree uh, the rest of the year. Uh, he hit fourth in that lineup yesterday. We will see uh, if he continues to do so moving forward. But yeah, I was, I was definitely surprised that we didn't see more movement. Um, you know, I, I think that you, you only seeing a Ray Adrianzo, it's, which is interesting. Bizarre. He's the only other player who moves when he only played like 30 games in the majors right. this year, but the Braves knew what they were getting in him. They had him last year. So, uh, and I also like the guy that, that got back from him. Trey I, Harris. I'm very familiar with Trey Harris. He is Missouri tiger. I was, I actually got to cover Trey Harris when he was, there in you go. he is, I'll tell you what, man, uh, that guy has been undersold his entire career uh, played, you know, got to play in the sec, but you know, Missouri is not always considered like, especially in baseball, not considered the sec, sec, although they do, they do put really good players in the majors. It's not a rate like the Arkansas of the world do, but he was an excellent player in the SEC, not a really high-valued prospect coming in, uh, won that award, whatever it was, for their minor league you know, player of the year, whatever it was. This guy's been undersold his entire career. Would not, I mean, I definitely think he'll probably be up with the majors at some point in time considering how bad the Nationals are and would not be shocked if he has a little bit of success. Uh, that, that would not be surprising. And look, I'm actually glad he's going to get an opportunity at some place where there's – there is a hundred percent of path to play, right? Yeah. There is, there's definitely some room to play, but yeah, I was, you know, there's a reason why they got uh, Adrianza. I was just surprised that we did not see, I guess Nelson Cruz, there was really not a whole lot of market for him. Right. I mean, 
you know, he had a nice month and a half, I guess, stretch, but the, it's, it looks like things have deteriorated a little bit for him. He, to play. he needed a hit for more power. I mean, yeah, that, even if he had the 600 OPS that he has right now, if he did it with 15 bombs, somebody right. would have taken a chance on him. I mean, look at Albert Pujols last year, you know, going, the Dodgers were willing to take on Albert Pujols because, you know, he was hitting the below the Mendoza line, but you know, he was still, if he got enough playing time, able to hit for 15, 20 home runs a year. Right. We just haven't seen that kind of power from, from Nelson Cruz. It's been, honestly, it's been warning track power from him this year, which is just a little bit concerning. Um, and double play power too. Well, yeah, a lot of double well, play. That's, that's been a consistent theme yeah. for a long time. <laughs> um, yeah. So, I mean, you know, and, and also I was so funny. It was classic Mets last night with the DeGrom comes out, gives a run support. And then, I was I was surprised to see Nogaseko in the game. You know, it was it was like in the, you know they were not and they got some relievers there. I know I know they were in the market for some guys, but it's not like they don't have guys there. You know, they got obviously Adam Adovino, Evan Diaz wouldn't come in that situation, uh, but they got Drew Smith there. I was surprised to see Nogasek in the game, and then just things kind of fell apart. And uh, Degrom pitched pretty well, I thought, and you know, um, cool. it was cool for the Nats though. It was, it was cool for, to see them get a win. You know, in this kind of weird twilight zone. I, I was I was so odd now. I was like looking in the dugout whenever they showed the guys are trying to home runs, like searching for Juan Soto, knowing he was gone. I was like still searching the dugout for him, it, which was which was weird, but it was weird to see that. Um, but it was nice to get a win. And obviously at the really cool moment with um uh what's yes. his name? Uh, Manessis, what 10 years, 12 years in the minor leagues and hitting a home run last night. Yeah, he uh, 10 years in the minors to plus two years in Dominican leagues. Uh, so 12 professional years leading up to this uh, moment here. 30 year old rookie uh, getting his first big league game and he hits for a home run. It was it was a pretty awesome moment. He went opposite field, too. Yeah, uh, it was it was pretty impressive. And uh, I know during uh, batting practice, he was hitting some bombs as well. So. Uh, he's, he's definitely got a little bit of sneaky pop. I'm interested to see with him and, and Josh Palacios, who has been doing very well down in AAA this year. Uh, if those guys get some playing time, you know, who knows what maybe they could provide. And Yadiel Hernandez hiding in the rough. We'll see. Yeah, I know that home run for him last night, too, right? I yep. mean, um, what's the so what's the plan at first base now? Is it going to be Manessis or are they going to are we going to do this Riley Adams thing? Like, well, I think, oh, he's hurt, isn't he? Well, Adam, did he get hurt? Uh, uh, I might be wrong. I've, I, why was he not he, tri- he raking in triple A? Yeah, which is which was why I was like, why aren't we doing this now? It's right, he's it's time some to do time this. at first base. Um, Luke Voigt does enter into that's the, right. I forgot about that uh, equation here, uh, especially with Nelson Cruz just being the DH. You know, there's not really a yeah, lot of room for flexibility there. So, uh, Manessis and Palacios can both play in the outfield. Uh, I would expect Manessis while he played first base yesterday to be in that outfield equation from time to time. Um, but I think Voigt, uh, you know, being a right-handed power bat will probably face lefties. I don't know if he'll necessarily play every day. Um, but uh, I think that he is somebody that with the Nationals lineup in the state that it is, they need some power. Um, and, and certainly he'll fit that bill. So he's got 13 home runs on the year, you know, 700 plus OPS. That makes him a pretty qualified hitter in the Nationals lineup. So uh, we will we'll see what Davey Martinez has in store in terms of his plans for him. Is Luke Voigt to you a player that's like, all right, let's see if we can get one half season out of him where he's, you know, he's hitting for a lot of power and movement the deadline like in the future. I mean, I think he'll definitely be, a, especially yeah. if the Nationals are are having another down year next year. I think a player that they could consider moving. They have two and a half years of control. He was under right. the same parameters of a deal as Juan Soto. 
Uh, so, you know, you don't, you can move him this offseason, you can move him next year. I would imagine that they let him build some value in DC, maybe, you know, get off to a hot start like he did in 2020, uh, where you can then flip him at the deadline next year with one and a half years of control that can be pretty valuable. Um, but it's, you know, I, I would imagine that, you know, they're going to try to give him as much playing time as possible just to, uh, just to give him opportunities and the fact that they really don't have any first base prospects that can really push him for playing time. And, and, you know, next year he could be the DH as well. So I want to see Riley Adams, man. I I want, I want to give that a try. I've, I've been upset about the lack of playing time this year for Riley Adams. I I think he'll be back, uh, you know, uh, at some point in the second half, the the rosters expand by two in August, maybe, uh, or so sorry, September. Uh, So maybe he gets to to come up then uh, where they can justify carrying three catchers, but, we'll see. So you know, with, with that September call, I mean, we think it's going to be Cade Cavalli, correct? It, it feels like that's going to be one of the, I mean, all indications from the nationals are that they are being taking things slow with Cavalli and, and Martinez about a month ago, even said that he wouldn't be surprised if Mar- Cavalli didn't pitch in the majors this year. So I think it's on the table that man, you got to give him some, give him a couple reps. Come on. What are we, I mean, what are we yeah. Doing? <laughs> Nothing to play I, for. We'll see. I mean, Jackson Tatro and, and Evan Lee are already on the IL, 60-day right. IL's, both of them. So it's unlikely we see very much of them the rest of the year. Uh, are we really going to see Palo Espino in the in the rotation the entire rest of the season, or, or are we going to try out one of these young guys? Uh, you know, I think. I and think Mackenzie Gore too. I mean, we feel like once he's clear of the injury, we're going to see him. Well, apparently his injury might keep him out the rest of the year. Uh, I think that's, we're going to get more clarity today. <laughs> I know. I know. But uh, and Abrams was sent down to uh, AAA to, to start. So we're not seeing really Voight is the only guy that we're going to see in this clubhouse. I mean, I think Gore will probably be there yeah. um, today, but uh, at least on the field, we're only going to see Voight for at least the, the early future, though. I wouldn't be surprised. If it's only a couple weeks before Abrams gets called up. Yeah, I, I would too. All right, Matt, where can people find you and your work and all of its variety? Yep. Uh, I'm on Twitter over at by Matt Weirich. It's W-E-Y-R-I-C-H. And you can check out all of my written work. Got lots of stuff uh, from yesterday's moves, right? Davey Martinez comments, Mike Rizzo comments, uh, my thoughts on their uh, impending timeline all over there at NBCSportsWashington.com. Awesome. Matt Weirich, NBC Sports Washington. We appreciate your time. No problem, man.